0: So if you have not yet created a customer avatar or you don't have like a a actual visible person with a name just about picture of who your ideal customer is, then this becomes a lot harder. But if you take the time to really know who you're talking to, then it's much, much easier to figure out exactly what it is that they want to hear from you and what they want to learn.
1: Welcome to the Wear Wag Repeat podcast. I'm Tori Mystic. As a dog mom lifestyle expert, blogger, and business owner, I love talking to other women in the pet industry and sharing their advice with you every week. Sit, stay, and listen to the latest episode. Today I have a special double feature episode for you. I'm sharing two interviews with two wonderful petpreneurs. Usually I have one guest on and we talk about business and pets, but today I split it up. So first we'll talk about dogs, then we'll talk business. The common theme for both of these interviews is repurposing. Bear with me here. First up, dog trainer Ruth Hegarty shares her expertise around adoptable dogs and how to set them up for success in your life. In a sense, adopted dogs are kind of repurposed. When you rescue, you have the chance to give a dog a new life. There are a lot of diamonds in the rough out there. And speaking of giving new life, I bet that you've created so much content for your business. Whether you've been working in the pet industry for 10 years or 10 months, we all have an archive of content. In part two of this double feature, Scarlett Rockwood is talking about how to give new life to your content through repurposing. She explains the paw print method of turning one piece of content into 30 things that you can post or share. As always, if you enjoy this episode, please share it on Instagram by taking a screenshot or a selfie and tagging me at wearwagrepeat. I can't wait to hear what you think. Let's dive in. Ruth Haggerty is the owner of Creature Good Dog Training. She believes that the secret to harmony between dog and guardian is communication, and she focuses much of her work on fostering understanding and compassion between dogs and people. She's passionate about helping adopted dogs live happily ever after. Ruth has an MS in education and is certified in dog training, life coaching, dog bite safety, and separation anxiety training. She was recently named a top dog trainer in Massachusetts. Ruth lives in Cambridge with her adopted dog, Jake, who is the inspiration for her dog training journey. Welcome, Ruth. Thank you, Tori. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the podcast and to talk about dog adoption so this this part of this episode is all about dogs no business awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so this is uh one of my one of my favorite topics talking about dog adoption and um maybe you could tell us a little bit about why you uh, are so passionate about this topic why do uh adoptable dogs kind of need us to be advocates for them so
2: adoptable dogs have a bad reputation right people think well they're bad dogs why would you give up a good dog? But what happens is 90 plus percent of all dogs that are surrendered to shelters have had no formal training at all. So they're just dogs being dogs. No one taught them that you shouldn't, you know, steal food from the table or or any of these things. You shouldn't jump on guests. So they didn't know better. And they get returned over and over again sometimes for this reason, just for being themselves. So good dogs are homeless all the time beautiful dogs, adult dogs, even puppies are a lot of work. If anyone's ever had a puppy, that biting phase, you know, puppies are, I mean, they're awesome. I love puppies, but they are a lot of work. You adopt a two year old who's already potty trained and passed his teething. And maybe he has some training, maybe he doesn't, but you can easily do that because he has more patience and impulse control. And they're just so grateful to be adopted and be part of a family. And almost always it's through no fault of their own that they end up in a shelter. You know, their, their person passes away or has to move or falls on hard times. So uh, my own dog is adopted and admittedly he had no training was a bit of a maniac, but that's how I got into dog training. So he, you know, came into my life to change my life in a really positive way, even though in the beginning I didn't necessarily see it, (laughs) but you know, they, they need us. They count on us. You know, we domesticated them and they count on us. And I, I think the relationship between an adopted dog and their human is very special.
1: Yeah, I, I totally relate to this. I, I know that when I brought home my dog, Bert, I just felt like he just didn't know how to act in a house. I don't, I don't actually know yeah. if Bert ever lived in a house, to be honest with you. He may not have. And so he just didn't know things like stairs and (sighs) indoor plumbing. (laughs) And he was fascinated by so many things. Um, So luckily I have a lifestyle where I could be home and spend a lot of time working with him. Um, But what are some tips that you have for people who might bring home an adopted dog uh, in order to set them up for success? So there's a sort of
2: rule of thumb it's the three three and three rule and you know there's a little give and take here and there but we tend to say just make it easy for people to remember give the dog three days to decompress that means don't introduce him to your friends just let him come in he's not going to show his personality yet and he's going to feel like am i staying here am i not staying here he's it's going to be very stressful you know it's going to look like if You all of a sudden moved to a country where you didn't speak the language and the food was different and all of that kind of stuff. You'd
1: feel some kind of way. (laughs) Well, and plus rescue dogs, they might've had a lot of moving around right? and they might not know what's permanent. Exactly.
2: So I say three, three days to a week, but you know, three days minimum. And then three weeks, the dog starts to say, okay, this is my home now, right? Dogs get over stuff pretty quickly. This is my home now. I love these people. You'll start to see their personality. Right. And you'll start to see maybe some of the things that might have got him surrendered before, like counter surfing or something like that. So you'll know what needs to be addressed. And then three months is you're good to go. This is your dog. Take him out, introduce him to people. Uh, He's one of you now. You know, and I I keep saying his, but hers as well. Um, You know, her ways, her interests, her likes, her doesn't likes her favorite toy, those kind of things. And and then you sort of move on with your life. So that's sort of an easy way to do it. Uh, The other advice I always give to people is environment. Set your environment up for success. You don't know this dog. They're going to come in. You don't know if they like to chew on shoes. You don't know if they've ever been on a couch. Start thinking about those things before you pick them up. Put away your precious valuables so that Your dog doesn't accidentally chew on your expensive shoes and then you're mad about it. Um, Gate off areas in your house that you don't want your dog to go to yet, right? You want them to have kind of a finite amount of space until you know how potty trained they are and things like that. So just be very uh, mindful about too much freedom in the very beginning and set the environment up for success. And so that they don't get overwhelmed.
1: Yeah, and if I could tack something onto that, is to be yeah. adaptable. Yes, <laughs> too, because yes. Uh, sometimes you think, "Oh, I put this gate up here, so my dog will stay in this area." But they might say, oh, this gate's the perfect thing to jump over and I can just go over this way and I can do that. And so it's not their fault. You just have to find a different solution. Yeah. Yeah. You just, you know, two
2: gates on top
1: of each other or something
2: like that, or a closed door or Or a different room. Yeah. 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 I always say dog training and I'm going to add dog parenting is 50% patience, 50%
0: patience
2: and you. You see what they do and you're like, oops, didn't know we could do that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They're very smart for their for better or for worse. They're (laughs) very smart. (laughs) For sure. Absolutely. So, so that's really great. I love the 333. And I was actually just telling my neighbor a couple doors down, she just rescued a dog and was asking me for advice. And I said I sent her a little graphic of the three three three. Um, because you know, everyone wants to rush everything, but they need some time. Yes. Um, and another thing that I think that we can all kind of get um, you know, impressioned by is on social media, you see people training their dogs to do all kinds of Things And maybe they're training for sports or maybe they're training for tricks to be cute in photos or, uh, who knows what they're training them to do. Um, what, what are some things that people should, should actually be training their dogs to do when you get a rescue dog? Like, what are some things that, uh, that matter when you're training? Right. Your dog? So. The first thing you want to think about is your lifestyle
2: things. So you want your dog to walk politely on leash. You want your dog not to jump on you or your guests. Um, You get to decide as the parent, do I want them on furniture or off furniture? So you train around that kind of thing. Um, You think about, am I going to free feed them or are they going to eat out of a bowl? Uh, So this sort of the utilities of life, you want to train them first. But training them adorable things like high five or roll over is also great, especially if you have kind of a shy dog. Training anything builds confidence in the dog. They they are able to feel that, ooh, I did it, right? So they feel good about themselves. It also deepens your relationships, time together, learning together, communicating together. So some of those sort of cutesy things that might – You know, endear you to the neighbors if your dog is also a barker can be very beneficial uh, in terms of your dog's public face and also just ways to build your relationship. Um, You know, and then you can look at your dog's personality. Do they like to jump on everything? Maybe an agility class would be great. Are they always sniffing? You know, maybe some nose work would be great. So I think it will take a little bit of time for you to see what he might or she might be super interested in in terms of. Those kind of activities, but the basics, you know, sit, stay calm kind of thing, leave it, drop it. Those I would start with and then throw in just because it's fun and it can be beneficial the high five, the sit pretty, those kind of things.
1: Yeah, I love that answer. I thought for sure you were going to say, you know, focus on the safety things first, but you're right that, that like high five, shake, spin. My my dog's eyes light up when they start learning new tricks and they get yeah. so excited and they it, it strengthens our bond together.
2: It absolutely does. And and they can be utilitarian as well. I, I had a very jumpy, friendly dog client once who just wanted to jump on everyone she met but she just was so high energy. She could just leap off the ground straight up into the air. So rather than try to teach her to sit to greet people, because she would sit and wiggle like she was on, you know, a vibrating stand, um we taught her to spin instead, so she'd meet someone. She'd spin and look adorable. They'd ooh and ah, and then she'd get her pets or whatever it is. So you can use those kind of things for everyday reasons as well as them just being fun,
1: right? And on the topic of of adoptable dogs, what age do you think that they stop being able to learn things? I'm gonna say never. Um,
2: <laughs> <laughs> I knew the answer to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course you did. Uh you you absolutely can teach an old dog new tricks. Uh I've worked with uh people who've adopted seniors, um, nine and ten-year-old dogs, and they maybe move a little slower, maybe aren't gonna some are gonna go to agility, some aren't. Uh they have wisdom that the younger generation of dogs doesn't have. So they have their own unique specialness their only failing is that they have less time with us Uh, but you can teach them new things they're going to have some um, set in my ways they're very likely going to have lived with other people so they'll come to you with some preconceived notions about how to live with humans but again you just be patient you show them what you'd like them to do in your own home this is your new home this is how you act Um, and they can absolutely learn It might not be as as feisty as a six month old, but
1: you know, that has its own charm as well. Right. And I think they, the the only kind of limitation might be mobility, Um, but there's so many things. My dogs are getting older and Lucy's getting arthritis and she's still learning new tricks and stuff. You just have to know her physical limitations.
2: Yeah. And some things, if you have an older dog are going to go by the wayside. So when you get a so you get a six month old, first thing you teach it is sit because it's easy and the dog will just run up to everyone and sit for a treat. So for years now, I haven't asked my dog to sit because of his arthritis. He's 12 and he really has some hip issues. So I haven't asked. I couldn't tell you the last time I asked him to sit. If He wants his treat. He stands. You know, he shows me that he wants his treat and he doesn't need to sit for it so you'll evolve over the years with your dog some things might fall by the wayside their interests might change their abilities as you say might change and then you teach them new things just like ourselves you know we don't necessarily love the same music as a 15 year old as we love as a 30 year old so
1: right and I and I think it does all come down to that communication and like you said Jake just can look at you a certain way or send you kind of a mental message yeah, to yeah. let you know things. And that's just communicating. He doesn't have to do, uh, you know, doesn't have to perform necessarily like he may be used to when he was younger.
2: Right. Right. He, he paid his dues. He was my demo dog all through my schooling for training. So he paid his dues.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all have those dogs. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, so I guess the last Question um, for this part of our episode today, since we have to get onto our second part of the double feature here, um, is if you have any final piece of advice for what someone should consider before adopting a dog.
2: Yeah, don't adopt on looks. Don't think, I love this breed because they're adorable and get that breed until you do your research because you can get purebreds and mutts from rescues. So Think about your lifestyle. If you want to take your dog running, you don't want a French bulldog, right? So you want to think about that more than looks. Think about the age that you want. Do you want to put the work into a puppy? Because you can adopt puppies as well as adults. What is it that you want to do with the dog? You want a couch potato? You want an athlete? You want uh, something you can pick up? Or you want something that you can ride, right? You, What is it that you're looking for in terms of your lifestyle? Think about those things first, because that, um, like any relationship, right? We, we hopefully don't make friends because of how they look. We make friends because of their personality and shared interests and things like that. So approach adopting a dog in that same headspace.
1: Yeah, that's, that's great advice. Um, and, and that I think makes it hard when you're looking at pet finder and stuff, because you're just going based off these photos. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish that there was like more video or something like that. I think that's why video is so important. these days. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um, all right. Well, Ruth, thank you so much um, for sharing your advice and talking about rescue dogs with us today on this very special episode. If you could tell everyone where they can find you online and learn more about what you do.
2: Sure. Uh, my website is creaturegooddogtraining.com. And I actually have an ebook that I wrote about welcoming your adopted dog into your home that people can download at the site. Um, and if you just go there, you can connect with me on social media. I have a newsletter about dog training. So that's sort of the place to start. You can just grab everything at the website.
1: Wonderful. Well, we'll, we'll go look for that ebook for sure. Um, and now everyone stay tuned for part two of this episode where we will talk about repurposing content. We're going from repurposing dogs to repurposing content. So stay tuned for that with Scarlett. Did you hear the news? I created a quiz to help you find your petpreneur personality type. Answer four quick questions and not only will you discover what type of petpreneur you are, but you'll also get a curated playlist of the Wear Wag Repeat podcast designed for exactly where you are in your pet business right now. From an underdog champion to a possum petfluencer or a prosperous petpreneur, each playlist includes 12 episodes from the archives. Plus, after you get your results, you'll receive a few emails from me with special advice to help you reach your pet business dreams. Take the quiz and fetch your results today at wherewagrepeat.com slash playlist quiz. Scarlett Rockwood is a content marketer and social media strategist for pet professionals with over six years of experience. She is the owner of Fur Social and founder of Fur Social Academy, where she teaches pet industry pros how to reach more pet parents online. She specializes in combining content marketing tactics with social distribution and audience growth to build profitable pet businesses that actually make a difference for pets and their people. When she's not working, she is taking a break with her bunny, Houdini.
0: (laughs) Hi, Scarlett. Hi. I have to ask you, how did Houdini get his name? Uh, so he's actually a shelter bunny. Um, I work with my local shelter here to try and help them get more visibility for their pets using social media. And I was in there one day talking to them about, you know, who their dogs they wanted to feature are and things like that. And they had a rabbit in the lobby and they asked me about it because I used to raise rabbits as a teenager and they, they knew that. And they also, um, don't they don't know how to take care of rabbits there because they get dogs and cats twenty four seven. But they said it's been a y- years since somebody brought in a rabbit. Can you please foster him? So I came home and whined and convinced my husband to <laughs> foster him. And within about a month, he was like, "All right, you got to call them and tell them they're not getting him back. This is my rabbit now." Um, but anyway, <laughs> how he got his name is they didn't have a rabbit cage at the shelter, so they had him in a dog kennel and he kept escaping. So they called him <laughs> Houdini. I knew there had to be some kind of escape story involved. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I'm glad Black Rabbit. I don't know why, but that feels like it suits it more. um, It seems more magical, associated with magic. But yeah, it seems like to be the magician, you gotta wear black
1: yeah, because he is not the magician's rabbit. He is the magician,
0: exactly.
1: exactly <laughs> um, so today we're we're not sadly, we're not going to talk all about bunnies. um, but we are going to talk about repurposing content. Uh, and so I'm really excited to have you on here. And before we get to this this juicy topic that you have, which is how to turn something into thirty pieces of content before we get to that, I want to kind of address for people, who are kind of unsure or doubting what people even want to hear from them? Because, um, you know, with our businesses, with our pet businesses, we have to create content what feels like every day. And kind of, you can kind of run out of ideas or kind of start to feel imposter syndrome, like nobody cares what I'm talking about. So, how can pet professionals know what their
0: audience actually wants to hear from them? So the first part of that, in my opinion, is knowing who you're talking to in the first place. So if you have not yet created a customer avatar or you don't have like a a actual visible person with a name just about picture of who your ideal customer is, then this becomes a lot harder. But if you take the time to really know who you're talking to, then it's much, much easier to figure out exactly what it is that they want to hear from you and what they want to learn. Um, Beyond that, then there are a couple really great tools online that I use when I'm creating a content plan. Um, because in the system that I am talking about today, which I like to call the paw print method, and I'll tell you why later, um, it, it starts with your long form content. So your blog posts, your podcast, your YouTube video, whatever format you want to put it in, um, that's sort of the core piece of the system. And what does that blog post, for example, need to be about? So one of the tools that I really like to use for this is Uber Suggest. Um, that you get a certain number of free searches each month or each day or something like that. Or if you want to do this, you can literally plan your whole year in one day if you sit down and do this. So you can literally just like buy a month and then do it all and then unsubscribe again, if you want to kind of cram everything in and get it done. Um, but Uber, Uber suggest is great because you can put in, let's say you are a, uh, a dog walker. You can put in the phrase dog walker into Uber suggest, and it will give you all of the most commonly searched keywords that are related to that. And then there's also even a section that says questions that will include the questions people are most likely to ask. Um, And you can use that to kind of I just keep a spreadsheet at that point of the really good ones and start from there in terms of what to what to write about. Um, There's an extra step I like to take, which is to take those topics. Let's say that um, one of the topics that you got was, you know, teaching a dog to walk off lead or um, even just walking with with a dog. Uh, You can then take that over to answer the public which is another great website. And then plug that in. You plug in just two or three word phrases and it will give you the most commonly Googled questions for those phrases. Um, So it's kind of an extra step to also flesh out what the topics are going to be more so than just the two or three word topic itself, but even what your blog posts, the whole title is going to be or what it's going to be about. Um, And I just, like I said, you can keep a spreadsheet. If you're going to do one, Blog posts a month. Then that all you need to do is twelve of those. Even if you're going to do a week, it doesn't take very long to get fifty two. And that's kind of the step, the process that I go through when I'm doing this for a client to figure out, you know, what do, um, what do the people who are looking for them mostly ask? Because those are the questions that we want to answer. Right. I love answer the public. There's
1: so many great ideas in there, and I think that it's been shown that. People are writing longer questions into Google these days, especially with voice search. Um, people aren't just googling, you know, dog walker. They're googling where what's the best dog walker in my area who does this, that, and the other thing because they can do a voice search. Um, so it is really important to know those keywords and know the exact questions people are searching for. Um, So once they have done this research in advance, which is very important, uh, and written their blog post or their podcast episode or YouTube video, why should someone consider repurposing that content? Isn't it good enough to just have it out there one time?
0: So the reason that you want to repurpose it is that it's not the internet is not an if you build it, they will come universe, you have to put it out there and people have to see it and be drawn to your blog post to get onto your website, because the whole point for a lot of us, um, some of us are content creators, and we the blog is the point. But for a lot of us as as pet business owners, the blog only exists to draw traffic to the website. Um, So in order to do that, you have to put it out there. You have to distribute it. Um, And social media is the best place to do that in most cases. Now, there's also search engine optimization that will help you distribute it to Google rankings, but that's a whole different podcast, right? (laughs) That's like 10 podcast episodes. (laughs) (laughs) So when we talk about distributing on social media and repurposing this content, the more different ways people see it, the more likely it is that you can draw people in But repurposing it in different ways also allows you to put it up next to each other on social media without it feeling like it's the same post over and over and Mm -hmm. over again. So instead of using the same picture and the same caption 10 times, you can change it up, change the picture, change the caption. Um, Instead of, you can have one post that just is a link to the blog post with a little excerpt, but then you can have another post that's a quote that you pulled out of it that's shareable. And then you can have another post that's like, if the blog post is a, you know, top 10 list. that's 10 posts right there. One of the things, one of your social media posts can be one thing. And then you can say for nine more, go read this blog post. Mm. And you can just do that for each of the 10 things.
1: I like how you use the word distribution because that kind of had like a little light bulb go off in my head because I used to back a long time ago, work for a magazine here in Pittsburgh. And, you know, one of the biggest, most important parts of the magazine was the distribution and you wouldn't just print it and then just put it out on a shelf. You would have to drive it to all the different places, take it to the advertisers, drop it off at their stores or their salons or whatever. So that people sitting, uh, would browse through it and then, you know, get ideas. And we would also distribute it to like newsstands. And I mean, there were so many places we would distribute it to. Um, and that was back a long time ago. So we didn't really do social media, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, thinking about, you know, distributing your content as if you are a newspaper or something is such a smart way to think about it. Um, for those of us who are over 30 and think about those things.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And on top of that, it has a twofold benefit because you're also de-stressing yourself from all of that pressure of what do I post on social media? Because now you've got at least half of your content for the month, just from this one blog post. Right. And if you're
1: writing a blog post, it's likely going to be like over a thousand words, I would assume for most people on average. Uh, and that's a
0: lot of words that you can break down into little captions and stuff. Yeah, exactly. It can be, you know, talking about, like I said, if it's a, if it's a top 10 list, that's just the easiest one to talk about with this method. You know, that's 10 different posts just doing that but then you might have a memorable or shareable quote in there. Any of those you want to pull out and make like a quote post that people can then easily share things like that are um, it's just, there's so much juice inside a blog post or a podcast or something that people seem to think they need to leave in there, but you can pull it apart so easily and just make so much different content.
1: Yes. So we've talked about it kind of loosely and you've given some examples, like with the top 10 list. But can you tell people exactly how? Let's say um, instead of a blog post, let's say a podcast episode, like that someone was a guest on a podcast episode, because you don't have to have your own podcast um, in order to get in on podcasting. I just talked about that with Aaron a few episodes ago. Um, so let's say someone was a guest on a podcast episode, and that comes with, you know. The actual episode that's available on a podcast player. It also comes with the show notes that are available on that person's website. It probably also comes with graphics and all that kind of stuff. How could someone turn that one piece
0: of content into 30 pieces of content? Awesome. Okay. So let's, uh, let me just actually pull up. I have a worksheet that I literally just take each piece of content to when I'm through when I'm doing this. So if it's not your podcast, you are limited a little bit more. Um, So for example, if if it is your podcast, you then write the show notes, you turn that into a blog post. Um, For some people, when they record the video, they actually release the podcast on YouTube as a video. So that's another piece of content. You then want to send an email to your email list, letting them know you have a new podcast episode out. So just before we even escape long form content, you have four different pieces of content right there. Um, but if it's not your podcast and you're not the one writing the show notes anything like that, you can still send an email to your list, at least one. Um, so that's one piece that you can use it for. And then you go to your social media. You have, um, I have a little bit of framework that I have to think of, uh, as far as what is the, the things that you can, the formats you can turn it into. So firstly, just a straight share, which is just telling people about the podcast and telling them where they can go listen with a little... Um, a little bit of a description so they know what they're going to listen to and why they should go listen to it, Um, pulling out any quotes that are memorable or that are shareable. And then uh, if there's, if it's something that there's like a good outline for, then write it down as an outline and see if each individual piece of that outline is shareable on its own. Like, for example, one of the first things we talked about, which would be a piece of the outline would be How do you even know what people want you to talk about? Well, if I was sharing this podcast, which I most definitely will, one of the posts might be telling people that, how do people know what to, I'm sorry. What they want to hear from you. Yes, you might have to. Forget it, we're talking. How do I know what my readers want to hear from me? Yes, Um, so that's one piece. And then just go through the outline and see if there's any pieces that really stand alone well. And then- Listen for any excerpts that are maybe less of a quote, more of like a if it's a blog post, a paragraph. If it's this podcast, you know, a a few sentences that stand alone really well that give a, a piece of information that isn't reliant too much on the other information around it, and then that is also a piece of content. Um, so for that, I also look at where are the platforms that I want to be on. So I do all of that for Facebook posts, and then for a Facebook group. If you have one for other people's Facebook groups, if there's one where they like you sharing that sort of thing, they find it valuable and not annoying. You got to make sure with Facebook groups that you're following the rules, but um, there are some other people's groups that they love it when you share value. So if you're in any of those, that's a good place to put that content to. Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, if it's a blog post or if it's something you're writing into a blog post, maybe you want to also share it on LinkedIn Pulse or on Medium. Um, Those are more places you can distribute the. Pretty much the exact same blog post. Um, LinkedIn Pulse is um, something that, as long as you post your blog post first, and same thing for Medium, then you don't have to worry about really suffering from duplicate content because you are the one who put it out first. Even though you're putting out all of it, uh, but as long as if you do put it in multiple places, just make sure you put it on your blog first. Okay, um, and then obviously your email list. So uh, a lot of people will do that first share email, and then they'll stop, but you can share a lot of these little pieces too. So like if I did pull out that tip about you know, customer avatar, I can send that as a social media post, but I can also send that as an email. Um, I've even seen some people who send an email with a little bit of information and then link to the social media posts. So you have to actually go to the social media post to read the full caption, which is really interesting. Um, and then you know this more than anybody, Pinterest. Um if you're on Yay, Pinterest, Pinterest you talk about this more than anything because um you're the one who recommended to me to make at least 10 different Pinterest posts for every blog post or podcast that you have. So um which I have absolutely taken to heart and we'll start doing as soon as I finally get my ducks in a row for my podcast. <laughs> um but uh, even the Google business page, I don't necessarily do engagement or educational posts there a lot. But if there's any hint of promotion or talking about your service or product in what your post is about, then posting it to Google My Business is also a good place. Um, and then I also have Twitter here kind of at the end. Uh, mm. And then if you are a video person, then Definitely do TikTok. Um, if you are on Instagram and doing Reels already, then go ahead and head over to TikTok because it's not really any extra work. You don't have to recreate the content. You can put the exact same video in both places.
1: Yeah, I've put the exact same video in both places with great success. And I think another another thing I've been noticing some people doing in terms of repurposing is. Using the same sound multiple times on their own account for reels or for TikTok. Um, so maybe, you know, there's a sound right now that's like, if I'm gonna be sad, I'm gonna do it with pizzazz. <laughs> and like every instead of pizzazz, people are saying, like, I'm gonna do it by talking on my podcast, or I'm gonna do it by playing with my dog, or mm-hmm. by taking a mental health walk. Like, there's so many things you could turn that last word into. And I'm seeing people using the same sound, but just having different endings at the end. Um, And that's a really great way to repurpose content. You can, you can reuse everything.
0: Oh yeah. Um, With the sounds with reels and TikTok specifically, you can do a different video for the same sound, or uh, you can even do different captions for the same video and sound. Or you can do a different video, a different sound for the same video, depending on what it is. It's not like a lip syncing um, type of situation. There's so many different ways you can mix it up and literally no one sees every single piece of content that you put out. So it's not that big of a deal to make it slightly different. As long as you're not looking at something like an IG feed and all the pictures are exactly the same. Like I've even used the same caption a week later with a different picture. It's not something that you cannot repeat yourself because nobody hears everything anyway.
1: Yes. So repurpose, reuse, reinvent, and save yourself a whole lot of work and a whole lot of headache. Um, Scarlett, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today on this special joint episode. Uh, It's been really fun to talk about dogs and then to talk about repurposing content. Um, So thank you so much.
0: Absolutely. I'm happy to be here and I will come back anytime you want. (laughs) Thank you. All right, everyone
1: tune in next week where I'm going to do a solo episode and I will give you an update on the ways that I have been transitioning my business and how it is going so far this year. What did you like most about this episode? Find me on Instagram at T Mystic and let me know what intrigued you or what questions you have about starting or growing your own dog-inspired business. You can also screenshot this episode and tag me in your stories. I love to see who is listening out there. Some of the best conversations happen after the episode, right? So track me down over on Instagram or join the Wear Wag Repeat Labs Facebook group to connect with other dog-obsessed entrepreneurs. And as always, you can find all the links and resources discussed in this episode at wearwagrepeat.com slash podcast. See you back here next week.